Welcome to the Super Fantasy Bros Podcast, which is part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. I am one half of the team, Kevin Coleman, and I am joined on the podcast by my co-host, Jacob Dunn. Jacob, how we feeling? How we doing today on this great Tuesday? Excellent, my man. You know, my real-life job as being an ESL teacher just started back up again this week, and it's been great meeting all my new kiddos. But uh, I'm curious, how's the start of your year looking, Kevin? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they know that we're teachers, uh, listeners. I don't know if we talked about that. Yeah, I started school on right. Monday. Um, weird. It's definitely different. Uh, you got kids now in class. And in California, we were kind of the hybrid stuff. stuff. So uh, it, it, I like being back. It, it's going to be – I'm exhausted already. It's only been two yeah. days. Um, it, it, it can be tough. And so – uh, I, I will say I had someone, um, I sent it to Jacob, but that was kind of funny on Twitter. This guy told me, he's like, I didn't know you were a teacher. So you're not, you're going to be too busy for me to get fantasy advice from and he unfollowed me. So I thought that was a, uh, that's never happened to me before. So I feel like I've made it Jacob. I feel like I've made it now. Absolutely. But guys, we are never too busy just because we're <laughs> teachers because we have real lives doesn't mean that we're not giving a hundred percent to you guys. So please yeah. stay with us. <laughs> Except for that guy. Now you're not getting any hundred percent, but yeah, I thought that was funny. I've never had that before, but uh, I'm doing good. I'm excited to get back into teaching and the flow of things. And then I always know when teaching starts, football starts. So that's I right. get excited about that. And that's where we go. So on today's show, we're going to be covering recent news from training camps around the country. A couple listener questions that I actually had dropped on me from some people. And it may be a super fantasy bros battle royale. So let's hit it going. Here we go. So I had a question here. I like to drop these things on Jacob from time to time. Uh, biggest surprise or thoughts about the preseason so far? Is anything kind of stood out for you? Sloppy play. We haven't really seen a lot of games yet. Maybe the Hall of Fame game. Anything that's kind of stood out to you so far? So Najee Harris playing in the Hall of Fame game was extremely surprising to me. Uh, not not only playing, but Harris Harris is lobbying to play in every single preseason game, you know, as much as he possibly can, you know, he went on to play 18 of 19 snaps. Uh, So I love to see that gamer side of Najee, you know, you know that he wants to hit the ground running for Pittsburgh once the season starts in September. Uh, But I'm curious, Kevin, what did you find surprising? I, you know what I'm upset about? Damn it. These hamstrings and stop pulling your hamstrings. I'm worried about Deandre Swift. Rashad Bateman now, uh, just today, they talked about how he has a pulled hamstring or something going on with his hamstring. Right, uh, soft I, tissue injury. Ugh. I don't like soft tissue injuries. Now, I'm not an expert, but I do know, like, I, I don't like soft tissue injuries, and especially because with Marquise Brown, was kind of he's hobbled. Now I'm like, hey, Bateman, he's going to be that guy. And, right. I, and I, I've been tagging Bateman as that guy. Now I'm like, man, don't, don't tell me Sammy Watkins is going to be week one Sammy Watkins again. Is that, is that what's going to happen to us? I was just going to say, man, we're going to get Sammy Watkins in week one, and then everyone's going to trade for him, and then he's going to disappear. Just uh, like clockwork. I, I will, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know off the top of my head, but whatever DraftKings has Sammy Watkins in for DFS week one, I'm I, that is going to be a, a low-level guy. I'm smashing <laughs> Sammy Watkins at that low level. But I think that's my biggest surprise is just how, you know, just how the injuries, I, I guess the injuries come, but I, I think we were spoiled last year because we didn't really have a preseason and we right. forgot that these injuries definitely hit these guys. And I think um, I just want these guys to stop getting hurt. I think that's kind of, Seriously. that's kind of the key for me. And Claypool being out there, Najee being out there, like 
damn, like, yeah, a lot of guys that were at Cowboys didn't, they didn't, they brought people, but they did not play those dudes. Uh, and so that was interesting. I really need to stop seeing Ben DiNucci throw the football, Jacob. That's definitely, yes. uh, I, I got to stop. I think we but, all do. Yeah, we definitely do. We got to get out of there. Uh, stop. Oh, God, it's so bad. Now, we're going to go to trading camps around the country and talk about, you know, different the different things we see. We didn't get to San Francisco last week. Uh, we were along, and we definitely wanted to cover that. Uh, different reports coming out about Trey Lance and Jimmy G. Uh, you have, you know, different different kind of people talking about these things. Some say Lance looked great. I don't know if we if the listeners saw the the throw he had to Ayuk um, uh, mm-hmm. on the sideline recently. That was a big one. And so, you know, Lance is going as QB twenty one. Jimmy G's going as QB thirty three. Uh, we've talked about this and when we thought they'd start. But how how do you just in general? The training camp battle we haven't seen the games yet but you know is this maybe we're wrong maybe maybe lance gonna get in there a little earlier so 49ers coach kyle shanahan said that trey lance will will be getting playing time as a rookie you know he also went on to say that jimmy g is the starting quarterback so the assumption is that trey lance is going to come in on certain packages and run the football since jimmy is one of the least mobile quarterbacks in the nfl yeah um it sounds like trey lance is going to be what Jimmy Garoppolo, like he is going to be to Jimmy Garoppolo, what Taysom Hill was to Drew Brees, you know, just a situational quarterback who can run it for a touchdown or throw it just to throw off the defense. You know, he's yeah. going to bomb it to Ayuk or to Debo Samuel. I still think that the plan is to start Jimmy and then just go from there. But I would bet good money that Lance starts sooner rather than later, given Jimmy G's injury history. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think in as far as fantasy goes, redraft, you just, you know, he's going earlier than Jimmy, but I, I think that's okay. Like you can get a Q, you realistically, he could be your QB two. You just wait, right? Like, right. Hey, I'm just going to wait and he'll have that upside and I'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I absolutely agree. I mean, I'm taking Lance with one of my last picks just for that clear, yeah. clear upside. Once Jimmy G does get hurt, cause it's inevitable at this point. <laughs> So we're going to talk about the we're going to talk about the Bengals here in a minute, but I do want to see because I saw this poll out there, and might as well just throw it in now. Right now in Dynasty, who would you rather have, Lance or Burrow? Oh, I'm taking Lance all day, just because Burrow's ACL and MCL tear. Uh, just you know, we can talk about yeah. this later, but I fear that them them not taking a left tackle in the draft they're not protecting burrow their franchise quarterback so i'm taking lance just because i love that kyle shanahan system i think that lance is going to get a ton of rushing yards i think that offense is going to be built around him and the run game as well as they have two quick wide receivers Ayuk and debo for the foreseeable future so i like lance's future better than burrow even though lance hasn't proven it yet lance has all this potential and i have a feeling kevin that you agree with me am i right yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I, I, you're usually the floor guy, not the ceiling right. guy. So you're 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 on the Lance train. I, I think yep. I've had something to do with that. But I, I like Absolutely. that. I, I I think that's true. I think in Dynasty you have to rushing upside. What he brings to the table, I think yeah. it's Lance all day. I, I'm glad you brought up Ayuk and Debo. We're gonna go to that. I mean Ayuk. All the reports he is he's unguardable. He's unguardable, mm-hmm. and you're starting to see something. You're starting to see his ADP rise a little bit because it wasn't as high as it was before. His ADP right now is 61. Uh, wide receiver 25. I'm interested to see what you think here on this for Ayuk. And then we have Debo, and you can go into that if you'd like. But for mm-hmm. Ayuk, would you be comfortable with him being your wide receiver one? Or are you still like he's a wide receiver two? 
um, depending on how you build your rosters. Because I've seen some rosters that were built with Ayuk. Like if you go heavy running back, maybe you go tight end. Then you get a quarterback, maybe in that fifth, sixth round. Then you can grab Ayuk as your wide receiver one. Are, are you worried about that? Or do you think he's a solid wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside? I'm on the wide receiver two train. Uh, I don't okay. trust him as my wide receiver one. And this may just be feeding into my heightest personality, but I don't yeah. want, I don't want my wide receiver one to be six foot, you know, like I, I want him <laughs> to be a giant. Now that excludes Tyreek Hill just because he's with I was gonna say, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Tyreek Hill's like five, two, like, like he's right. a smaller guy. No, no, no. I, I'm sticking with Hill as a wide receiver one in the first round because of his quarterback. But Ayuk is solid. You know, like he's been making highlight reel catches after highlight reel catches. And what's funny is that all of those passes are coming from Trey Lance. So that is just beefing up my confidence in Trey Lance. Debo Samuel has been no slouch either, though. You know, he is reportedly getting past every defender with ease. Debo was on my do not draft list at the beginning of the summer, but this but this is a guy who has top 15 potential if he stays healthy. Now, that is a big if. Both of these guys are a bargain at their current ADP. You know, with Ayuk, he's going um, at the start of the sixth round, and Debo is going at the end of the seventh round. So you are potentially getting Debo a full two rounds later. And these guys, if they both stay healthy, they most likely have the same timeshare here and they will most likely get the same amount of targets and opportunities. And if I'm going to get Debo in the late seventh round as, as more of a bench guy, then relying on Ayuk as my wide receiver too, I'm going to wait a few rounds and grab Debo just for that upside. And I do think like we need to make sure that we put everything in perspective with the Niners. Um, I did read a report. I saw something. It was a great stat and I wish I could say who, who did it, but I'm just going to say someone did it. And it was with Kittle Debo and Ayuk and Jimmy G were only on the field last year for two games. I think it was because of injuries and all that. So we don't necessarily it's a good thing. We don't really know their upside, but we also don't know where that targets are going to get distributed. And in with the running back situation, they were injured too. So like it's hard to, you know, project forward with this team because we don't know what they were last year. Like we, this is going to be a right. new experience for everybody. So there could be some growing pains here. And just for dynasty perspective, you know, if IU comes out and doesn't have maybe a few good games and especially if Kittle's there, maybe they're targeting Kittle, they run more. That could be an interesting buy low opportunity and not necessarily buy low, but like maybe buy at market value. And then when they get comfortable in that offense, then you can maybe see your value increase. I don't think buy, I think buy those down. I, I, I should have said that just that buy that market value. Cause I think his value is a little higher than what his market is right now. Right. And the fact that Trey Lance is going to start pretty much any week this year, like once he comes in yeah. Lance and Ayuk have already shown that they can get the job done. So I, I Uke's value is going to skyrocket once Lance is named the starter. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And then, you know, let's go to the running back room. I, I'm not so much talking about, I think the most interesting thing I've seen from the training camps and, and being out here in California, Trey Sermon's getting first team reps. Now everybody's getting reps. We understand sure. that, but that's a real thing. Like, you know, he's getting first team reps. I do still think it's running back by committee uh, in there, but uh, there is something to say about that. And I just think it's, 
I'm just worried about it. Like when you look at Sermon, Sermon's actually is an 807. So he's going to eighth round, running back 33. Raheem mm-hmm. Mostert's going a little earlier than him. I'd mm-hmm. probably just wait and take Sermon if I'm in that position of like running back need, right? And then take a probably a wide receiver in the seventh round where there's pretty good value. That's fair. I I still lean Raheem Mostert. And okay. that's just because reports from 49ers camp is that Trey Sermon is going to be the 1B to Raheem Mostert's 1A. And I want that 1A. But I can certainly imagine a world where both Sermon and Raheem Mostert have viable fantasy value as low-end RB2s when they're both healthy. You know, Raheem Mostert averaged 13 carries and two catches in eight starts last season. So there is plenty of work for Sermon in this backfield to get, let's say, another eight to 10 carries and a few catches himself. So again, I still lean Raheem Mostert just because I want that 1A, but I I like your strategy, Kevin, to wait a few rounds to get a running back who's probably going to have the same amount of opportunities as Mostert, and you're getting the younger guy who is a part of the future plans. So it's possible that later in the season, San Francisco is going to unleash Trey Sermon and leave Raheem Mostert in the dust. I mean, I can definitely see that happening. At least for me at the beginning, I want Mostert, but I like your strategy, Kevin. Yeah, it just it's just because who's going around him to me, like Jerry Judy's right there and DJ Chark. So uh-huh. like for me, and then Adebo, who we just talked about, okay. like yeah. one of those guys being there and then, okay, so I get one of the, like I get a Jerry Judy or I get a DJ Chark who I think is going to be the wide receiver one there. Yeah. And then I can wait that next round and then I get a guy like Sermon who is 1B, but he's a strong one B who's getting first team reps right now. And maybe, okay, maybe I'll hit on that. So I think it's just based on who's there on the board, right? That's what we always talk about. Absolutely, man. It's all about the value. Now I'm curious, Kevin, DJ shark is getting surgery on his, on his finger, but head coach urban Meyer expects him to be ready in week one. Does this change your vision or your perspective on DJ shark being the, the, top target hog in Jacksonville like does he get bumped down a little bit or do you think that he'll be ready and it's it's all fine I think as far as I know I'm just gonna go on what he said like he'll be ready for week one um it it seems like he'll be all right from everything I saw like from the surgery uh but that does you know I think I think it'll help you because you get Chark a little later now. Like if you wait on your drafts, so in redraft especially, I think he's a True. good value to grab. Uh, but that just means they're going to lean on James Robinson and Travis Etienne, and I think that's a good thing. And I, th- I believe they play the Texans week one. So I don't <laughs> how how much you know how much are they going to throw that game? What right. that game? What is that game script really going to look like? Depending on what that roster is going to look like. True. So I, I don't necessarily look at it as like a week one thing, but I still th- I still think Chark's the wide receiver one of that offense. Fair. That's fair. All right, let's go to Cincinnati because, man, there's been some news. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals, you know, uh, the biggest thing is Joe Burrow. We're going to jump into that right now. You know, he had a press conference where he looked awful. I don't know if you guys watched the press conference. He looked like he was just deer in the headlights, like his knee's not ready, stepping up in the pocket. We've heard reports that he's just not looking right in in practice. Uh, To his credit, he came out of that same day and actually had a good practice for what they talked about. But there's a lot of uncertainty in this Bengals room. Uh, You know, we'll get into the wide receivers, even Mixon, you know, those type of guys. You know, Joe Burrow, he's going as QB 13. Uh, Is that too high for Joe Burrow? I think it's a little bit too high. After seeing seeing Joe Burrow struggle in the first few days of – training camp it's a confidence issue you know like it's his confidence in the pocket you know like 
it's it you know and i understand why his confidence is shaking after tearing his acl and his mcl i i completely get it it's going to take a while for him to get mentally there we all knew that it was going to that that it was going to take some time for joe burrow for Joe Burrow to get back into Heisman winning form. But I worry about that confidence part. The Cincinnati Bengals, like I said earlier, passed up on who I think is an all world left tackle to get another shiny toy. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of chase, but the Bengals needed to make that logical choice there for their franchise quarterback. And they decided to make a strength even stronger. We'll see how it works out, but I would have rather helped Joe Burrow's mental health and given him that protection instead of giving him his his old buddy Chase. Yeah, you know, I, I do think you bring up a good point though. Like, yes, so we we do, we have talk about Burrow. He's got his knee, he's got his yips. I think the biggest question mark of this whole Bengals thing is is Zach Taylor the guy. You looked at the first year that he had, the, he scrapped his entire offensive system because it wasn't working, the zone scheme. Then Mixon had a great year. That's why everybody thought last year Mixon was going to have a good year. And then we saw what they did last year. Obviously, Burrow got hurt. But before Burrow got hurt, they didn't look that great. That offensive line was, again, like you mentioned, banged up. And then they didn't right. address that offensive line too well. I mean, I know they got some gap pieces, but there was some question marks on the offensive line. So my biggest thing when I look at a guy like Burrow in, in a fantasy perspective, like I think everybody's overvaluing Burrow based on what he did one year at LSU. That was right. an outlier year. Mm-hmm. Like, let's be honest out there. And he struggled. His deep ball accuracy was not there last year. Right. He really struggled pushing the ball. I don't know if you guys watched the game against the Ravens that he played. They got just, just destroyed. Now, I That's know this. Weird. Because I had Boyd over two and a half receptions, and he got, I think it was one. And I just oh. remember it was such a bad beat. But yeah. I remember Burrow struggled pressure. Everything was there. Now he's struggling. So he struggled with pressure before he had a torn knee. Now he has that <laughs> right. torn knee. Like, right. I think he's a super overvalued. Like, to me, he's going as QB 13. But he's probably, people are drafting him as their QB 1 in redraft. Are you, are you comfortable with that? Because I wouldn't be comfortable. I am absolutely not comfortable with that. I would much rather have, you know, okay, so let's look let's look at the quarterbacks going after him. We got Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I would much rather have Trevor Lawrence over Burrow because I believe in his offensive line. I believe in his game plan uh, and he's healthy. Um, and then we got Matt Ryan going after him. I mean, that's a little bit uh, Burrow or Ryan. I think I, yeah. I would – I would lean Ryan just because he still has Calvin Ridley. He has Kyle Pitts. Uh, and I believe that the Falcons will be throwing a ton with that sorry defense. So I think I would lean Matt Ryan. And then we got Baker Mayfield. Uh, I would probably still go Burrow because I don't believe that. I believe that we've seen the best of Baker Mayfield. Um, and I don't think he has a very high ceiling. Then we have Kirk Cousins. I think I would rather have Kirk Cousins, but I'm more of a floor guy. Like you said yeah. earlier, Kevin, um, I like that the Vikings have a lot of offensive pieces to surround Kirk Cousins. So I like the safety of Kirk over Burrow. Uh, but I mean, I think he's just going way too early. I would rather have those quarterbacks I just listed before him, except for Baker. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, going, going as a quarterback 13 uh, at the, in the eighth round, hard yeah. pass for me. Yeah, I'm going to give a hot take right now. I would just wait to draft Justin Fields as my QB1. QB18 right now, he's mm-hmm. going to win that job. There is After seeing what he's done, like if I can get Justin Fields as my QB1 and then just grab like Derek Carr later, and I could just start Derek sure. Carr the first two weeks or whatever, yeah. 
I would rather do that than waste a pick, a top pick like that on Burrow. Like I would rather have Burrow and in, in, in Justin Fields in a heartbeat. Like Absolutely. I think Burrow's, I think Burrow's getting overdrafted in Dynasty as well. Like he was going to in a first round in Dynasty drafts this year. Like right. I, I, I think what I said on Twitter and what I talked about with my Fantasy Pros article too. I said that he's a he's a he's a he's a quarterback that's getting valued as a QB one, but in reality he's a QB two. Mm-hmm. But his value has not been matched yet. So if you go into your league and especially a super flex league, and Burrow is your QB one, I am extremely worried about your roster. Like I, I, I am, and it just that offense, everything with his knee. Um, I'm glad you brought up the. You, let's talk about the wide receivers since we're, we're going into this. Uh, and this is new news too. And again, Jamar Chase. There was a sleeper update talking about how he can't create separation. That is nothing that none of us know. Like Jamar Chase has struggled yeah. with that since like, that's not news. If you think that's news and I don't know what to tell you, uh, that's something that he had struggled with at LSU as well. Uh, now he's going to draft to the sixth round wide receiver 24. And then you got T Higgins and then you got Tyler Boyd. So we're worried about Burrow. Does that make, does that make us now we need to start maybe stepping back a little bit on like the Jamar Chase wide receiver one talk and the T Higgins wide receiver two talk or how, how are you in this group here? So I've always been against the Jamar Chase wide receiver one talk. I think that he was being super hyped up just because he's with his old buddy Burrow. And after that outlier historical season we saw from Justin Jefferson, everybody wants that next rookie sensation. And Justin Jefferson's don't grow on trees, man. So I, I am passing on Chase at the 601. Like you said, you know, there have been reports that he's failing to create separation. But I was like, wait a minute. A few weeks ago, the Bengals were impressed that he was able to create that <laughs> separation yeah. during workouts. So it's like, what is it? I think it's just being a rookie. You know, he's just learning. Like, yeah. he is going to take time because Justin Jefferson is an outlier. CeeDee Lamb is an outlier. Jamar Chase, as high as he was drafted, he's still going to have growing pains, man. This is, this, this is a rookie wide receiver who is who is getting his old buddy burrow back, but burrow's confidence is shook right now. Like I just, I just don't trust chase at the beginning of the sixth round in redraft leagues. Now in dynasty leagues, I have no problem taking him as a wide receiver one, as you would agree, Kevin, you know what? I'm curious though. What are your takes? Like, do you still think he is the overall wide receiver one? Do you have any, issue like if there is a panicking dynasty manager do you think that they should be selling high or they should just be like no this guy's gonna be a rock solid wide receiver one for a while no he's wide receiver one like there's no question about it like people out there like stuff like that i i I think like when you see those things like if you've watched chase as much as i have he does struggle with that but his ability to catch 50 50 balls his athleticism and all that stuff like that that truncates those things like that's yeah. that's fine like it, it, that's not a big deal to me he's just still the wide receiver one you don't sell chase like this this is a dude that's going to be there especially if burrow figures it out long term like i think burrow's going to yeah. struggle a little bit this year beginning of course uh but the guy like I, i'm going back and forth on higgins because i like higgins <laughs> but and I like Higgins coming out of college. Like he was one of the guys that I targeted. I took Higgins over Jalen Rieger in a draft. Like so, and then that was before everybody was talking about. Because I do thought I thought I did think Higgins had a very good skill set. I just don't know if I want to draft Higgins. So you realistically you're picking one of these guys probably if you want a wide receiver in that sixth round. The the reality though is if when you're looking around with guys going after him, like, would you rather have Claypool in that mix? 
And so now you're starting to get into that Claypool Galladay uh, who's hurt too freaking hamstring. Uh, so you have these things like, you know, would you rather have Claypool or Higgins? And you know what? I think I'm going to go Claypool. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying that out loud, but I think I would rather go Claypool as long as he's healthy uh, with that. Is that crazy to think about or am I, am I crazy or do you think that's okay? It's not crazy just because Joe Burrow you know, okay. his confidence, well, you know, you know, his line, you know, like I know that the Steelers line probably isn't any better. Maybe it's like a tad better. And, but I trust that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to put out a decent offensive line. And I think that Ben Roethlisberger is going to cling on to Claypool. I actually have high hopes for Claypool. Um, I have higher hopes for him than a Deontay Johnson. I think that Claypool is a lot more talented than Johnson. Uh, I trust Claypool and I would definitely draft Claypool over Higgins, but T Higgins though, at six foot four, I believe that T Higgins is going to bail out Joe Burrow a lot uh, in, in a lot of tough spots. You know, I think that Higgins will, will outperform Chase by a decent margin in 2021. A huge reason why is that we've already seen that chemistry between Burrow and Higgins at the next level. It, T. Higgins is safer to me than Chase in a redraft league. Yeah. But to answer your question, Kevin, I would much rather have Claypool. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think he is safer. You know, I, I do, but I think with Claypool – uh, I've kind of come around on him a little bit more. I think he's going to score more touchdowns. I think yeah. Chase is going to score the touchdowns. So that's where mm-hmm. I'm at with like who's going to score most touchdowns in this offense. Mm-hmm. I think it's Chase because of his skill set. But I do think like if you're going to skip those rounds, so like let's say you don't want to take either one of these guys, I still think Tyler Boyd is a great value right now, wide receiver 37. Mm-hmm. So like he'll get the targets. He's a great wide receiver three on your roster. So like it just depends on roster build. But yeah. I still think you smash Tyler Boyd in the eighth to ninth round if he falls in that in that area, especially in redraft. Like I think that's an easy, easy, easy draft pick there. Yeah, Tyler Boyd is someone I'm avoiding in standard and half PPR redraft leagues. He That's just fair. he just doesn't get enough yards or touchdowns to even think about starting each week, you know, unless okay. you're in a bye week. But when it comes to PPR, I'm all about Tyler Boyd in the eighth round. Boyd is a great route runner in the slot. I foresee yeah. a lot of like seven catches for 53 yard kind of days for Boyd, which makes him a fantastic option in PPR formats, especially in three wide receiver leagues. Like you said, Kevin, I would smash Boyd. Yeah, no. Yeah. See, this is why we have Jacob on everybody, because he reminds me that not everybody plays PPR. I'm a PPR snob. So I just want to let me know when I'm talking, unless I indicate otherwise, I'm always talking PPR because I can't play anything else. I get too bored. Uh, But I understand all y'all out there that do that. Uh, You know, I don't know if we need to talk about Mixon as much because he's pretty probably valued, to be honest. Like, he's going to the middle of the second round, running back 13. You're either on Mixon or you're not. Like, I think you either got burned by Mixon, like I've had in the past, where I'm still still probably going to draft him at that ADP. Okay. I think I would. It just it really just depends on the board, especially with him. Like, yeah. uh, if I can get, you know, I will probably go wide receiver there because I'm a wide receiver guy. Like if A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson is there, or maybe one of the tight ends over Mixon because I think they have a safer floor than Mixon does. But mm-hmm. if I needed to reach at a running back position, maybe I didn't. Maybe I went Kelsey in the first, and I want to try to, like, 
hey, I'm going to try to maneuver here. I just, I don't know. Like, it really depends. Like, he's burned me so much. I'm probably out on the Joe Mixon train, to be honest. Those are all fair points on Mixon. I am personally completely fading him in the second round. And just because his schedule his schedule starts out super tough against Minnesota, yes. Chicago, and Pittsburgh. Plus, he has to face the Ravens and the Steelers and the Browns twice a year. I mean, that is tough sledding for a terrible offensive line. Uh, you know, volume is nice, but I need some consistency out of my second round running back. Now, Kevin, I have a few running backs I would take over Mixon that are being taken after him. I'm curious if you would. Now, this is probably an obvious an an obvious answer from you, but Clyde Edwards Elaire is being taken right after him. Who would you prefer, Edwards Elaire or Mixon? Uh, yeah, yeah, I knew you were going to ask this with Clyde. Uh, You're on the clock, and you have 30 seconds. <laughs> I, I, if I had to pick in a vacuum between those two guys, I'm going yeah. to take Mixon, uh, but it's okay. very close. Like I, I understand I'm going to take a CEH, uh, but I, I think I would take Mixon just because I do think that they want to lean on Mixon if he can stay healthy. I don't okay. necessarily see that with Andy Reid. That's just one of those things that I just don't – I think – I think McKinnon is going to be a more of an option. I think Williams is going to be there as well. Like there's yeah. going to be some issues in that offense. So I think I'd lean Mixon. Now, how about DeAndre Swift? I take Swift, but that's because okay. I'm a Swift truther. But I do think I can take someone in second, like Brown, and get Swift, and I'd be happy with that. Or Jefferson and Swift, and in, in a redraft. So, it, but in a vacuum, I would still take Swift because I think he's going to just he's going to be a workhorse as Absolutely. long as his hamstring is is fine. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, now last one, J.K. Dobbins. I'm going to take JK yeah. to be honest with you. I think it, I think right now everybody listen to this. I was going to tweet it, but I wanted to save it for the pod cuz I'm your people out there. Let's you go. better buy JK Dobbins in Dynasty right now because he's Love the it. cheapest he's going to be in 3 weeks cuz in 3 weeks or 4 weeks, I swear this dude's going to go off in either week 1 or week 2 and his value is going to shoot and people mm-hmm. are going to be like, "Oh, JK Dobbins, he's a pretty good running back." Yeah, no shit everybody. We know that. He's going <laughs> to get the volume he needs. Gus yes. Edwards is on the COVID list. He's going to get it. He's going to get what he needs. They're going to use him. And if these injuries with Bateman and and Marquis, and if they are struggling there, he's going to get the targets too that we've been wanting him to get. They're going to get him the ball early and often. So he's the cheapest he's going to be right now. Preach, Kevin. I have been Sorry, saying that. I had Dobbins, to go on a rant. My bad. No, 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 no. I want to piggyback off that rant. Dobbins, Dobbins is the number one rusher on the number one rushing team in the NFL. Now, the argument against him is that Lamar Jackson is going to cap him. No, he's not. This is this this is a rushing team. You want a piece of that rushing pie. And J.K. Yeah. Dobbins is going to get 15 to 17 carries a game, I I believe. And he's also going to get two, three catches a game, hopefully more, but probably just two to three catches a game. He has such a high floor, and he's being taken in the middle of the third round. I love J.K. Dobbins' redraft value this year. It's it's insane how much I love it. It if I draft a Travis Kelsey in the first round, and let's say I get a running back in the second round, and J.K. Dobbins makes it as my RB two, I yeah. am I am on cloud nine, my friend. Yeah, I, I'm all over a Dobbins running back two, um, and especially yeah. redraft at third round. Like that's an easy pick. Definitely. Like, I, I, 
I hope some of my leagues do that here in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and now we're going to tight end room. You know, Drew Sample's there. CJ Uzuma, you know, if, if CJ comes back from his injuries, Sample's there. I don't really have anything to say about those guys. I mean, they're going to go on drafts and redraft. In Dynasty, I still have a lot of Uzuma, you know, CJ shares. I have a few of them. Yeah. I think they're going to get targets, but are they going to be with, with that room and what they're trying to do with mixing right. those wide receivers? I don't see them very fantasy relevant at all. Yeah, yeah. Three top-notch wideouts will make it very difficult for either Sample or Uzuma to be a consistent option or even a streaming option in plus matchups. Unless one of those aforementioned three wideouts goes down with injury, these two tight ends can be safely be left on the the waiver wire. Yeah, and even if you're trying to start him for a touchdown, you know you're going to start Sample, and that means CJ is going to get the touchdown. Like It's just going to be one of those things where it's frustrating. (laughs) Just stay away from it um, to me, to be honest. Uh, let's go to Minnesota. So besides Kirk Cousins wanting to be in a plexiglass box because, huh. you know, he's got his vaccine issues going on, uh, right. you know, they do have some interesting, you know, storylines. You know, Justin Jefferson got hurt. And depending on what we look at for, you know, you know, it was his AC sprain, right? AC joint. So yeah. those can yep. be yep. tricky. Uh, those are some tricky players there. You know, he's right now he's going as, you know, when you look at his ADP, 311, really a wide receiver 13 now based on that injury that he had. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the injury looked a lot worse than what his diagnosis was. It looked like he broke his collarbone at first, but it turned out just be an AC joint sprain, which is, which all of us fantasy managers can (laughs) breathe a sigh of relief. If I lose acres and Jefferson the same year, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm losing my life right now. Uh, but so he, so he's going to drop a little bit. So when you're looking at maybe where he was going, because you know when you looked at where he was going before, he was going pretty high uh, in redraft still. So maybe he's going to be there. That wide receiver room is interesting. You got Justin Jefferson, he's hurt. And then you got Adam Thielen. Uh, he's going as wide receiver 17. I still think in redraft, Adam Thielen is a very good value. Uh, he gets slept on a lot because he scores touchdowns. Him and Kirk Cousins, like that red zone and what they're, they, they try to do, I think is there. Uh, two guys that I wanted to mention on the on the pod that I really like that I think if Jefferson is hurt or they're going to miss some time, you know, Amar Smith, Marset from Minnesota, he is there. He's going as wide receiver 40 right now. I think he's a sleeper in all aspects, dynasty and redraft. Like if Jefferson's hurt, like he's a good guy to grab late in mm-hmm. this offense. I know it's going to be run heavy and we'll talk about a different sleeper that I have for that. Um, and even Wap Fowler from Indiana, like wide receiver, like their borderline roster, especially Wap. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. But Amar Smith, Marset, he's a legitimate prospect. He's good, and he can he can play the position. So I, you look for him in dynasty, but also in redraft. Like if Jefferson uh, AC joint, we don't you know they're weird. He gets hit the wrong way. Like that's a good waiver wire pickup if you can grab him. I love those takes, man. Yeah, I'm I I am always looking for those deep dynasty stashes so i appreciate you floating those names for me and the listeners <laughs> yeah I, I sometimes forget you know the one thing that I, I did my brother texted me this weekend or this last weekend he said hey i need some de- i need some sleepers so you know <laughs> i'm giving him guys like that and he's like well i only have like 18 rounds can you give me like a nine, 18th round sleeper like sometimes we forget like not everybody is as degenerate as us right uh, you know, besides that, what is your – so is Cook – I believe Cook's your running back two or is he your running back three? Where where do you have Cook in your rankings? Cook is the clear 102 behind okay. CMC. Here here are my projections for Dalvin. I got him at 1,423 rushing yards for 11, for 11 touchdowns, 
along with 455 receiving yards and three touchdowns. I say draft Cook with your second pick with absolute confidence. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. Like, and, and when you're looking at like that room where you're at, I love what he does. He's going to be in redraft. I think he's an easy pick. Uh, the yeah. kid that I do want to talk about, and I, I just wrote a Fantasy Pros article. So you can find on Fantasy Pros, it's called Players of Stash in Dynasty League. So I, I wrote a bunch of different guys. Um, Kane, I'm going to mess this up, but I believe it's Kane Nwangnu, uh, Wangnu from Iowa State. He's a running back from Minnesota. Yep. This young man was a monster in high school. He went to Iowa State. He played pretty well his freshman year. Uh, and then he got, he tore his Achilles. Oh. And then he got stuck behind David Montgomery and Brees Hall. Okay. And he never really was able to kind of get out of there. He finished his Ohio State career with 143 attempts, 744 yards, and four touchdowns. But he still averaged 28.9 yards on kickoff return. So he was a big burner there. He was very good in the receiving game. He actually looked very he looked very well. He, he's a good route runner. He's able to get targets, receptions there. And I think that he's going to take over the Amir Abdullah spot. So when you look at where Amir so, – and I, I was looking at the Minnesota, just what's going on there, spring practice, everything. They're talking about Amir is going to be on the cut list. So they he I think – if he can slice into that Amir role where maybe they get some receiving targets where they're – because Alexander Madison to me is like the 1A to 1B in terms of like play style as Cook is. They're pretty much the same runner. But yeah. if you can maybe put in um, Nwangu who has a – he ran a unofficial 4-2-9 at Iowa State's Pro Day. Probably yeah. he's in that 4-3 category. Uh-huh. I think he's a sneaky PPR option late. Like really steep stash. You you know, if you're in rookie drafts, you probably got him in the third and fourth. He could be on some less – big rosters depending on what your dynasty teams look like but i i'm i'm keep an eye on him and i also want to bring up the point that we could be watching him for de- for cam Akers. so he tore the right. achilles he's young he was ju- he was young just like Akers was he did sit out a year because of it because it was in the spring when he tore it so he missed that next year that's essentially what Akers will miss like I and look what he's able to do, and he was able to get drafts in the fourth round. Like so, yeah. I I think we should stop looking at like Mac and these other guys, and like we're looking at this young kid and see how he bounces back from this acre, this Achilles injury. Uh, and I think he can fit into this third man role. Like I like the kid, I like his tape and what he brought. A four two nine forty yard dash after well, it's unofficial, uh, unofficial, okay. but yes, it's probably in the four three. So four three two or four three three is what they said. I'm saying you can't leave a four, you know, like a four two nine, a four point three, you know, like a four three two guy on the bench. Like I think that the Vikings will do whatever it takes to make him the direct backup to Cook, and yeah. we all know that Cook has had some injury issues in the past. So if he goes down, I mean, this guy is in this Vikings rushing offense. I mean, he could turn into an immediate RB one, RB two. So that yeah. that that is a great name to bring up Kevin, especially for our dynasty managers out there, but as well as redraft when we're looking for insurance policies for a Dalvin cook. Yeah. 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 I mean, I still think Madison, like, and don't get me wrong, like Madison's there. I still think that they like Madison, but like that change of pace back. And when cook has been out, Madison hasn't necessarily, you know, he hasn't like, he, he hasn't 
put himself out there. Exactly. He, he hasn't exploded like everybody thought he was going to be. So I do like uh, I do like Nolan. I think that he's a he's a deep sleeper, especially yeah. dynasty formats. And then, like I mentioned, uh, you know, going to Amar, uh, Smith, Marset, what father, those guys. I'm interested to see what your take on Irv Smith is. So, do you think if Jefferson's injured, those type of things, Irv gets a bump just automatically, or are there, is he going to be able to earn those targets? Yeah. Irv became extremely interesting when we were awaiting the results on Justin Jefferson's MRI. But now that Jefferman, so that now that Jefferman, <laughs> Jefferson <laughs> is deemed fine, you know, and like he is expected to come back to practice quickly, as far as head coach Mike Zimmer said. Um, taking Irv in the 10th round, where I can grab a guy like Gronk or your boy, Johnny Smith, Kevin, or even Evan Ingram at a much better price. Seems a lot more appealing now, but if for some reason Justin Jefferson digress or, you know, like regresses, I mean, uh, or, you know, he's just not ready. Irv Smith is looking at number two duties, uh, you know, and could be a red zone threat. So uh, it's tough to say right now, but with Justin Jefferson's injury, not looking as serious as, uh, as we were all expecting, I'm not taking Irv in the 10th round. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. I'm staying away from that. That's the tight end dead area for me. Just give me Janu. I'll just take him. If there you go. Now, Janu, he might get, you know, Janu might get a little bit pricier at 100 right. Henry's injured. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you were to listen to me a few weeks ago, you would know just to draft Janu there. But, you know, as far as Minnesota goes, I think that they're a very average team with a, bit, a better defensive line. I think their defense is going to be better. Um, I think everybody's going to step back a little bit. You obviously are higher, high on Cook, which I, I think th- they're going to run their offense through Cook. And they right. always do better when they limit what Kirk Cousins has to do on the field. Mm-hmm. And they, it doesn't have to make a throw. Like Kirk Cousins should not be having 28 attempts in the game. He should right. have probably 22. Like that's 16-22, right. which will put a damper on some of that. But I think it's more Irv Smith. I don't think Irv Smith's a tight end one. I, I don't know why people keep you know no. doing that. No, no, no. He is, he is a streaming option at best. All right. Let's go to my least favorite team and fan base in the NFL, the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. I uh, got to give a little shout out to my Eagles guys out there. You know, you guys are terrible. But let's talk about what we see in the Eagles camp. Jalen Hurts right now is going QB11. We've talked about Jalen a lot on this show. Uh, he's done everything he needs to. But I will say, like, did you think of anything about the Watson deal? Did you think they were going to trade Watson? Does that give you any kind of like, you know, hesitation about Jalen at all that maybe they're going out there? It was unconformed reports. I think the guy that did right. it had like a few thousand followers on Twitter. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it gave me enough pause to not choose Hertz in a random best ball draft that night. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, hmm, let's pivot to another option and I'll get another quarterback later or something like that. But in the grand scheme of things, I just did a Rasbolt draft um, and I took Hertz at a value in like the ninth round when he's when he is when he is usually going in the seventh round uh, in redraft league. So I think I think a lot of people are overreacting and I still like Hertz as a top eight option. I think I just moved him down as my quarterback eight uh, recently after these reports, 
But I mean, if this doesn't come to light, I uh, I'm going to bump yeah. up Jalen Hurts right back up to my quarterback six or seven, just because that rushing floor is insane. I can definitely see him rushing for a thousand yards this season. Like I wouldn't even blink an eye. Like I see him rushing for just under a thousand. Like I can see around 950 yards. He's going to get like six to seven rushing touchdowns. I can see him having like a Josh Allen esque rushing season. Um, now, as far as the passing goes, you know, like 35, 3,500 passing yards, just over 20 passing touchdowns. But your money is going to be made in the rushing game with Jalen Hurts. You want that rushing upside. And if you can get him at a discount, I am all for it. Well, that's because Jalen Hurts is a running back, Jacob. Exactly. Uh, and, <laughs> and that, I mean, and that's what he is. Like, I think sometimes we fall in that trap, and I do too. Like, I know that he's not going to be able to pass very well. And, but I, I always equate like, Oh, we can't pass. Well, I can't draft him as a quarterback, but that's stupid because we know that the rushing upside is where it's at. And yeah. sometimes we got to take that out of it. I, you know, and, and if your league doesn't, you don't, it, most people don't play in the leagues. Like I play in leagues where completion incompletes matter. I play in leagues where completions, you know, all those oh. type of things matter. If okay. those are the leagues you're playing in, like Scott Fishbowl's like that. If you take, right. if you take somebody like Jalen Hurts, yeah, the upside's nice, but every incompletion is minus one point. Like that hurts. Like that's 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 scary there. Uh, now, let's talk about this running back room. I'm gonna tell everybody that's in it. You know, you got Miles Sanders. He's going to his running back 18. Jordan Howard still out there. Don't know how. on Johnson still <laughs> out there. Uh, Boston Scott and then Kenneth Gainwell. So Miles and Boston yeah. Scott and Kenneth Gainwell, the only running backs getting drafted. Jordan yeah. Howard and on Johnson's there. Do you feel like this is Miles' show? Let's go. We're, we're good. Running back 18, he's a value. Or are you worried about any of these guys eating into what he's going to do? I am somewhere in the middle. Like, if I see a Miles Sanders in the fourth round, and let's say I only have one running back, and it's either him or, like, the next tier, which is, like, the Mike Davis tier, uh, I would probably pull the trigger and draft Sanders just because he is the RB1 there, and I think he is being undervalued but at the same time recent recent camp reports say that he is struggling with drops and he's struggling with ball security drops is not a new thing for a mile sanders no. uh, so with jalen hurts taking a lot of rushing attempts from sanders and probably not going to throw screens to sanders just because he's struggling with drops right now and hurts is probably going to take off and run on most downs i mean Sanders to me isn't a value in the fourth round, even though he is an RB one, he's not a value, but I say that he's probably just right. Like, like if you need a running back, I would be comfortable with taking him in the fourth round as like a low end RB two. Yeah. I was looking at his receiving number. You know, he had 50 receptions his first year. Like, like that's, I mean, he had 63 targets and, and he did have yeah. 50 like so in PPR, you're looking at him and he had, you know, 800 yards rushing and he had five, 500 yards pass, uh, receiving that first year that 2019. And it, it was there, but he does struggle with things. Right. Like and he right. doesn't score touchdowns. So he had, you know, he had three rushing touchdowns his first year. He had six last year, but he just he didn't look good like. I, I think you're right. He's right where he needs to be. Like, if you're going to yeah. draft him, that's probably pretty fair. Uh, the one guy that I will say that I put on my dynasty stash list for fantasy pros was Gainwell. I am not out on Gainwell. I am pounding this table that Kenneth okay. Gainwell, had he played at Memphis, you got to remember, 
you know, he, he didn't get the draft capital that we want. We know that day two draft capital is what we wanted. We didn't get it. He got selected in the fifth round. I think it was like the 150th pick. Uh, but he had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage the year that he played, and Antonio Gibson couldn't see the field. So we're touting up this kid that kept Antonio Gibson off the field. He's quick. Now, the one thing I think that he relies on is his, is he can catch. And he's one of the best right. pass catching backs of this class. So I think he's a stash in PPR leagues. Like I think in dynasty, you're going to yeah. draft him. I know that. And he's probably out there, but I think he's a sneaky kind of buy, but even in redraft, he's going as running back 62 in redraft. If your league is that deep where it's like maybe round 2021, 20, he has some legitimate upside, especially if Sanders gets hurt again yeah. or they just want to use him and that maybe he takes over the Boston Scott role. It's just Boston Scott's there, so he's going to bother it in there. But sure. maybe Gainwell can come in there and be that guy. Like, I'm not giving up on Gainwell yet. I, I don't, mm-hmm. don't want to do it. I do think that he has some sneaky value. So reports from camp say that Gainwell has had a lot of touches in camp as – the coaches are moving him all around, yeah. you know, like around the formation and are taking advantage of his receiving skills and his open field ability. That that speaks to everything that you just said, Kevin. I mean, like, I think that the Eagles want to take advantage of his skills because he has skills that kills. Like you said, he kept Antonio Gibson off, off the field. I mean, who's to say that he can't have similar success here in the NFL? So um, he is definitely a name to watch. I'm definitely going to keep him on my watch list and probably take a stab on him in the late rounds of redraft leagues. And I love everything that you said, man. Kenneth Gainwell to the moon in the late rounds. And, and, and just to try to, just try to be everybody out there, like why I'm saying it to you. Like there's some other reasons too. So you got Nick Serrani from the, the head coach of the Eagles. He just came from Indianapolis. Who was in Indianapolis? Naheem Hines. You know who Gainwell is just like? Naheem Hines. Yeah. Like they're literally the basically, I understand Gainwell's probably, he's got a little smaller, he's there. Receiving room. So a lot of question marks in that receiving room for the Colts. Look at this receiving room for the Eagles. Devonta Smith, he is injured. It looks like he's going to be okay. Jalen Rieger, a lot of question marks there. Didn't pass the fitness test. Travis right. Fulgham. When none of those names are like, man, that, that's a legit receiving. I mean, there, there's question marks all around. So, right. like, if they can move Gainwell around and use this, I think we're going to be looking at Gainwell as a weapon. Like, they're going to use him because they don't have a lot of weapons on that offensive side. They draft in weapons, but they don't seem to pan out. Again, it, it's up to Jalen Hurts, but I think that they can manufacture better touches for Gainwell than they're going to be able to do for like Rieger and Smith and those guys because of just game script, how that's going to be. And as far as like that receiving room, I mean, Devonta Smith going down. Uh, yep. There's a lot of talk about Devonta, Devonta Smith being a, a, a legitimate redraft guy. Do you believe that? Like a redraft, you're going to draft him, you feel comfortable with Devonta? The only reason I see that happening is because he's the only wide receiver <laughs> with talent there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm throwing a little bit of shade on Jalen Rager, who, yeah. who, who he – he made a fantastic catch with Joe Flacco at quarterback. I don't know if you saw that. It was did, like a yeah, viral yeah. clip. Okay. He made a fantastic catch, but we're not seeing all the drops he probably had. Now I'm just making an assumption, but all we see on Twitter are all these highlight catches and it's moving and, and, and it's moving players up the board, but it's like, we're not seeing the struggles because that's not worthy of tweets. So, you know, Devonta Smith does have value, but 
not anything more than a bench guy just because I don't trust Jalen Hurts as a pastor. I trust him as a runner and I'm smashing him in the eighth or ninth round as my QB one. But as a passer, uh, I, I'm not yeah. drafting Smith where he's going. Uh, so I would much rather just, just pass on Smith. And I, w- and as far as the rest of this, receiving room goes Devonta Smith, uh, Jalen Rieger, Travis Fulgham. And, you know, I'm just, I, I am not enthused at all by this room. And, uh, I am willing to pass on all those wideouts, <laughs> but, yeah. but Hey, Hey, I'm curious, Kevin, is there a wideout that you see on the Eagles that could be a dynasty sleeper? Yeah, Jamon Osmond uh, from Texas A&M. I, okay. I, I liked him. He opted out his senior year because of COVID. So, he, again, he had that Gainwell thing where he opted out. You know, he was a top 100 prospect. He came out of IMG out of, out of Florida for when he played at Texas A&M. Hmm. He was going to be that guy. Like, he he was there. He was early. He made all SEC. He made the all SEC freshman team as a wide receiver. Uh, then, you know, he had some injuries, and he had that. He was team captain in 2019. He had 66 catches, 872 yards, and five scores in 13 Starts like we realistically could have seen Osmond last year in that Texas A&M squad that was the number five team in the country being the wide receiver one there thousand yard receiving and we would be talking about him a little bit better. He opted out and that hurt him and then he had a terrible pro day. So I, I know he had a bad pro day. Everybody that's listening to this like he, he looked awful. But he's six two two seventeen. He's big. He's got he's his freaking footwork and his, and his route running is great. Like that's the first thing that pops off when you watch this tape. Like he might be a guy to go grab right now because of these question marks in that receiving room. Right. And, and I like him as a dynasty sleeper. That's kind of my guy. Well, he could, he could realistically take the number three receiving yeah. duties, right? Yeah. Realistically. I mean, who's Travis Fulgham? I know some dumb people were trading first for him last year. Sorry oh. if that was you. You shouldn't nope, have been doing that. <laughs> but if you got a first out there, good for you. You dynasty right. the right way. Uh, but I, I, he could take over that wide receiver three spot. I think it just depends on what we think of that tight end room. Zach Ertz is still there. I thought he was supposed to get traded, Jacob. What happened to this? And, and Dallas and Dallas is still there. And, you know, he failed. Dallas Goddard failed his, 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 he failed his, you know, his test, uh, his conditioning test. He slipped. Uh, but it does seem like they kind of make an example out of these guys that are not doing those type of things. Mm-hmm. Why is Zach Ertz going as tight in 21, but then Dallas Goddard is going tight in seven? Why, why, why? How does that make sense? Just because of the trading, you know, all of these trading rumors. Now, according to Zach Berman of The Athletic, Zach Ertz is outplaying Dallas Godert, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, the expectations is that Zach Ertz should be on another team right now, you know, but Ertz is still there. He's still kicking. He's doing better than Dallas Godert, yet Dallas Godert is being taken as a top eight tight end, whereas Zach Ertz, like you said, he's being taken in the 20s or even undrafted probably because Nobody takes more than probably like 15 tight ends in like a regular 12 team league. So Ertz is being virtually undrafted here. And I I would rather have Ertz, you know, like he did have a down year last year, but it was a weird year in Philadelphia anyways. And he was dealing with injuries. If he's back and healthy, he's just 30 years old. Uh, You know, he's six foot five. He, he still has plenty of football ahead of him. I say that he has two more years of being decent, like, a middling tight end one or two, you know, like I was hoping that he would be traded to the bills. You know, I think that mm-hmm. everyone was just because, you know, the bills is starting, uh, 
the Bills' starting tight end is Dawson Knox. He's decent at best, but it's like if Zach Ertz was there, then that Bills' offense looks lethal. Um, so if Zach Ertz stays in Philadelphia, he, to me, is the biggest value out of all these tight ends being virtually undrafted. I, I can't agree with you anymore in that. And, and we don't want to agree all the time, but I just look <laughs> at that ADP and I'm like, Zach Ertz, tight end 21. Like, what are we doing here? Why are you wasting a pick on Dallas guys tight end seven when Zach Ertz still is on that roster? There is no, if you do that, you're not going to win. Like I would be hard pressed to see you're going to waste a sixth round pick on Dallas Goddard, who Zach Ertz is still on that roster and with a quarterback that struggles with accuracy and in a running, a high running situation, I'm just not doing it. Like I'm staying away, but if I can get Ertz later, I mean, I don't see, I don't see why you guys are doing that. That just frustrates me. That's why you guys lose yeah. leagues if you're if you're drafting them that high. I just don't understand it. Like, I, and and this is also in dynasty. Be careful. Everybody talked about how Zach Ertz was getting moved. Not everybody is on the Eagles staff and personnel, and that stuff just doesn't always happen. Now it could happen in the next couple of weeks, but you're taking a risk now. Now in dynasty, if you did a startup, you drafted Dallas Goddard. You're tied in one thinking, oh, he's going to be the number one option in that offense. Right. Zach Ertz is gone. Oh, wait, no, Zach Ertz is there. And then that value right. just diminished. And now what happens if Zach plays well, like you said, right. they, keep a, they keep a two tight end set, which the Indianapolis Colts love to use. So they're moving. Sarnelli came over from there. Now you're stuck with what? You're stuck with a, a middling situation and you wasted a pick on Dallas Cotter. I don't know why I just went off on that, but it just drives me crazy when people try to – you got to be careful with this stuff because you'll hear all these yeah. narratives, but we're not NFL guys. Like people are in the know. Right. Just try to stop trying to be too smart. Take the value. Stop taking yes. this picks on these guys. All right. I, sorry, love it, I, Kevin. Go, I had to go on a rant there. All right. I we got to get it. to, we got to get to our uh, listener question. <laughs> so uh, I had this from a, a listener today and I just dropped it in the chat. And I, I think you play in keeper leagues, right? Jacob? I don't play in keeper leagues. Actually. It's just a okay. redraft. It, and and dynasty okay well we both suck here because i don't play in keeper leagues either but we'll try to talk huh. this out together so yeah. in a 12 team keeper league would you rather drop michael thomas who who you traded for two first for last season so he said he traded a 2022 second and a 2020 or no he traded 2021 and a 2022 second so he lost his 2021 first round and a second michael or would yeah it was a bad trade he said and keep <laughs> Deontay Johnson. So would you rather drop Michael Thomas, who you gave up two first for last season, and then keep Deontay Johnson, or would you rather keep Michael Thompson or Thomas, excuse me, and and not pick up? Basically, you would drop Deontay Johnson. So basically, who would you rather have based on the draft capital you gave up? You gave up two first for Michael Thomas last season because he's a contender, or would you rather just say screw it, cut your losses, and keep Deontay? Cut your losses and keep Deontay all day. I okay. just I uh, I I don't have high hopes for Michael Thomas, even if he comes back when he's supposed to in like week seven or eight, he still has to get up to speed. And there's so much drama surrounding him. Like, do the Saints even activate him? Like, do they even want him to play? Uh, it's just there is too much drama. There's too much uncertainty with his ankle to even I would just cut all my losses and just move on. And Deontay is going to be a viable wide receiver too for you. So, I mean, that – so just cut your losses and move on with 
Deontay Johnson, forget about the Michael Thomas, just forget about him. <laughs> so, and, and I think that's a fair point. I, I understand you gave up two first for him. What I would do, what I would say is this, like Deontay could be there in the second round, like in a keeper draft. So maybe if yeah. you keep Michael Thomas, maybe they go after the rookies. And so then there's another talent on the board. It is super flex. Maybe you can maybe grab Deontay and keep them both again. It's a risk, though. Sure. So I under, I understand where you're at. I yeah. I think I'm a little higher on Michael Thomas. Hopefully he comes back. But it's a weird situation. Like it's just weird, and they can't trade him either. Did you see the dead cap? It's like twenty something million for yeah, like. Yeah, it's garbage. Uh, what it's is going on in New Orleans? <laughs> what, I don't know. What is happening to my salary cap in New Orleans? I don't understand this. They're deteriorating, man. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> That's good because Sean Payton's a dick. You know, I, I just want everybody to know out there. Like, I, I, he, did you already did after you won the Super Bowl with the Saints? He no. went to Jerry. He went to Jerry Jones's favorite restaurant because he knew that the Cowboys had a team dinner the next night, like a like a like a executive dinner or whatever. Oh no! And he ordered all of Jerry Jones's wine that he likes. And they, they so Jerry Jones didn't have any wine the next day because Sean Payton is got mad that they didn't they didn't hire him as the the coach. They kept Marcellus oh. when he was there, so they have a little rivalry. So I got that's a little Sean, bit that's that that is a little bit of a boss move, my man. I know it's to your Cowboys, but I mean that's problem. pretty boss. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool, but he can kiss my ass. All right, let's uh, <laughs> we 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 do want to wrap up, and we're gonna do a Super Smash uh, Super Fantasy Bros Battle Royale or Super Smash Bros Battle Royale, that's and good. we're gonna go into this. Three, two, one, go. And the topic of social media, and maybe just our social media that we're involved in, is 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 Eli Manning a Hall of Fame quarterback? So we saw Peyton get it enshrined. So everybody kind of talked about this with Eli. Some people say absolutely. Some people say no way. Where are you at with this? My initial reaction to this question was, eh, sure, why not? You know, he beat Tom Brady twice as significant underdogs including the year that the patriots were vying for an undefeated season but looking deeper into it i just i just can't justify it based on numbers he was well below average manning ranks fifth in touchdown passes with 366 but he also ranks first in interceptions with 244 drew Brees ranks second with 200 243 interceptions but Brees also had 571 passing touchdowns uh Manning also had a touchdown rate of four and a half percent, which ranks 19th in his era below Andy Dalton and Jay Cutler. His interception rate of 3.01% is 10th highest from years 2004 to 2019. So to put this into perspective, Eli Manning had a higher career interception rate than Blake Bortles, Matt Schaub, and Kerry Collins. Yuck. I could go on and on with different stats where he ranks super low, but we just don't have time for that. We got to get our listeners out of here before their bedtime. So Eli did win, win two Super Bowls, which yeah. is what he is banking on. I'm not taking anything away from him on that. He was named the MVP in both, but you could easily argue that it was Justin Tuck and that Giants defense that bailed him out both times, and not to mention that David Tyree catch on his helmet. Uh, So I see Eli Manning eventually making it to the Hall of Fame due to those Super Bowl wins, but there are so many there are so many statistical arguments against him, so that. It's safe to say that Eli will 
only make the Hall of Fame someday thanks to those two Super Bowl wins? I think that's where it's at. Like for me, I would say yes. I think it just depends on what you what you qualify the Hall of Fame, right? I think I saw someone say, "Is the Hall of Fame like of the players of the Hall of really good?" Like I really feel like Eli is the Hall of really good, but because he beat that Patriot team that was undefeated, there's just something about that win. You know what I mean? Like yes, you're talking about the defense, what he did. Like and I, and I hate that they say, "Okay, QBs wins are not a QB stat," but then we always use it as a QB stat. Like it just it's, it's right. a double edged sword. Uh-huh. Like I think winning that game. And he also is, I think, he holds tons of New York Giants records, including all-time leading passer. Uh, he's done a lot of things. He, it's funny that he was 117 as 117 as a starter. That makes me laugh because he's literally <laughs> – that's Eli, right? Like, that is who he is right. as a prospect right. and just as a quarterback. Average. But I, I, he's very average, but he won those <laughs> two rings, and, and, and he's got Manning. And I think yeah. the Manning name, the legacy – right. It, as much as we wish that didn't happen, nepotism doesn't happen. It does. That's just kind of the reality of the situation. So mm-hmm. I would say yes, based on that. I don't like it, but I, I don't feel good about it. But I think all of those things to me is why it's in there. So I just thought it'd be an interesting topic. I know we're running out of time. Yeah. Uh, but listeners, let us know. What do you think? Do you think Eli is it? Maybe we'll put it out as a poll uh, and, and we'll go there. So, hey, I, hey, you know what? I appreciate you hopping on again. And we got training camp news getting there. We're very close. August 10th, we're coming close. Uh, we're going to have some preseason games to talk about finally and more. Uh, and in, as always, the last week of this month, we're going to be going uh, over a mock draft and doing it with you guys and telling yep. you how to draft that last week. So, Jacob, you got anything else to say? Uh, I was going to say this was such a fun show. I can't wait for the season. We are less than a month away. And plus, we got – Hard Knocks starting tonight on Tuesday. As as of this podcast on Tuesday, we got Hard Knocks. So you guys yeah. be on the lookout for that. I, We're excited gotta, for that. I got to find a place to legally stream that. Don't tell anybody. Uh, all right. So <laughs> uh, we'll see how Hard Knocks goes. It's going to break my soul tonight. Dak, please get healthy. Please, please, please get healthy for us. Uh, until next time, we'll see you guys next week.